Welcome to 9to5Photographer, the podcast to help professional photographers and filmmakers get more shoots, make more money and spend more time doing the things they love. And on today's show, we have a photographer whose name is Guy Collier. Now, Guy shoots weddings full time, but like so many of us, he had a different career beforehand that was nothing to do with photography, which I think is one of those things that we can all take comfort in. Because while there are some amazing photographers out there today who've been almost immersed in a world of culture and art since the time they were born, there are others of us who maybe have been in a job which is nothing at all to do with photography. Maybe it's to do with contracts or accounting or number crunching or whatever it might be. So if you're one of those people, then this episode is particularly for you. But it's also for anyone who's keen to get more bookings to grow their business. Now, one of the things Guy talks about in this episode is why it's so important to adopt your own style and then stick to it instead of copying somebody else and then copying another person. Of course, there is a difference between copying and gaining inspiration, but the way that we should be following our own style, well, Guy explains all of this and illustrates it with the example of a bus network in Finland. I'm not going to say anything more about this or I'll steal his thunder, but trust me, it's a very effective way to communicate the point. Now, don't forget that on my website, I've got a free guide called 10 Top Tips for Growing a Photography Business. You can get that right now by visiting www.9to5photo.com. That's number nine and number five, 9to5photo.com. So get that while it's available. But in the meantime, let me introduce you to Mr. Guy Collier right now. Guy, it's awesome to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Not too bad. Good man. Now, at the moment, we're recording this uh, during a lockdown period, early part of 2021. <laughs> we are. Lockdown so, number three. So, so life is a little bit different here, uh, certainly in the UK. <laughs> so just tell us a little bit about what you've been, what, what kind of things you've been doing like today and yesterday, given the fact that you're probably not out with clients taking photographs. Yeah. So as you said, lockdown number three, which is kind of pretty much back to where we were in lockdown number one, albeit without the nice weather. Um, so this time of year would be quiet for me anyway. I mean, January and February for, for a wedding photographer is, is, you know, pretty much the kind of nuclear winter in terms of booking. So normally at this time of year, I would be just doing behind the scenes stuff, uh, maybe getting some bookings in for, for either later this year or 2022 now, which is happening, um, albeit a little bit more slowly than usual. Um, and, but doing things like your you know, my accounts, uh, paying my tax bill, doing any stuff on my website where I've not really had the time over the summer. Now, that's obviously not happened so much this year because we did also have a lot of time over the summer because we couldn't shoot weddings. So it's a slightly strange winter. Um, but but mainly it's just kind of keeping things ticking over um, and and working on on sort of seeing how 2021 pans out which at the moment is a little bit of an unknown quantity because mm. we don't yet have an exit date or kind of month for this lockdown um, mm -hmm. so we're not yet sure how it's going to impact the 2021 season um it's but we do have a vaccine on the way of course no, we do we do and and yeah and and um i i'm because i'm now over 50 um I, I I fall into the lucky group of <laughs> tier nine, so apparently I should be offered it by the end of March. Right, over um, fifty. I never knew that guy. I thought you yes, were still under fifty. No, I thank you for saying that. I but, thought you'd be getting um, it next week then. The, the vaccination. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was fifty-one in December, so yeah, I am now um, 
yep, charging headlong towards um, my mid-50s, but desperately <laughs> trying to pretend otherwise by cycling a lot and trying to keep slim. So uh, Awesome, yeah, awesome. So. Okay, well, look, mate, I'd love to give our, our listeners just a little bit of context. So uh, clearly we know how old you are now. Just let us know your family <laughs> situation, where in the country you're, you're living and, and what kind of photography that it is that you do. Sure. So I am married to Nikki. We have one daughter, Jess. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been married for 20 years now. Mm. Um, Jess is turning 18 in May. So she's now doing university interviews, mm-hmm. um, which is slightly scary. Um, mm. I'm not really quite sure where that time went. Uh, I, I'm based in North Hampshire, not a million miles from you, am I? I'm, I'm about 10 miles south of you, I think. About so 10 I'm miles. just... Yeah. Yeah. I'm just west of Basingstoke, about five mm-hmm. miles west, sort of between Basingstoke and Overton in a mm-hmm. small village, um, mm-hmm. quite rural. And I am exclusively, apart from the very, very odd commercial job, a wedding photographer. And are you exclusively photography as well, or do you do any video now? Exclusively photography. Um, oh, right. So, okay. Yeah. So no video. So I'm, I'm purist if you if you like so I, i'm i've i have a narrow niche of photography which is weddings mm-hmm. i obviously you know i do do the odd sort of portrait thing and i'll do occasionally a family shoot for a previous couple but largely that's not my speciality um i do the odd commercial job but again they're mainly previous clients who i've shot at their weddings and they might want some headshots or some sort of day in the life stuff in their companies and they know you um, and they like you and that's why they get in touch with you despite me shooting their wedding they still get in touch with me (laughs) so um yeah so and that that but i don't kind of actively market myself as a commercial photographer um i and is is that an intentional move or is that just the way that you found that it's worked out that you know the wedding photography fills your time yeah i mean i i typically shoot about 40 a year but obviously as you know from from kind of your background that's not you're not shooting every weekend but you might well have in in the kind of may to september period particularly that really peak season you might be shooting two or three a weekend that takes it out of you doesn't it it, it does it does and and it's it's another reason why i try and stay fit because i do think that really helps especially as you do get a bit older and you're sort of competing against the 20 and 30 year olds <laughs> um but it once you once you then factor in the the admin around two or three a weekend prepping for it the backing up, the editing, the processing, the delivery, trying to then fit any sort of consistent commercial stream into that can be quite tricky. Mm. Um, and and I know that lots of people who use commercial photographers like to use the same people. And if you're if you're then unavailable for large periods of, of the year because you're you know you're you're really focusing in on your main aspect. Mm. Um, I think that could be a problem. And for me, I like to be a specialist rather than a generalist as well. Um, mm. You know, I, I can't take a landscape shot to save my life. Um, I just can't see the picture and I'm in awe of people that can, but I tend to be pretty decent in a quite narrow niche and that's weddings for me. It's funny that you mentioned landscape photography because I, I'm, I'm just like you. I, I can't take a landscape photograph to save my life. Uh, but there's, uh, do, do you know Thomas Heaton? He's a landscape photographer. Up not north. A, no, not, not a name I know, no. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel and you start watching his videos and I just can't stop watching them. I just, <laughs> I've watched hours and hours of landscape so photography is he, videos. And is he, is he, is he explaining how he gets the shot? Is yeah, he, exactly is he that. about the process? Yeah, he's essentially, he's vlogging his landscape photography. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, That's, I might, I might, I might look him up. My uncle is, is a, a really, really gifted landscape photographer and my granddad um, was a 
brilliant landscape photographer who also shot weddings, but kind of this is in the 60s and 70s, very old school weddings. Right, yeah. Um, and, and Matt is a really good landscape photographer. Matt's shot one wedding ever that he mm-hmm. kind of got talked into and mm-hmm. ran as fast as he could in the opposite direction when it was over. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't see the pictures, didn't understand how anybody could possibly want to do that. Um, mm. And and so so it's interesting that his landscape stuff incredible, but he cannot shoot weddings. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I find weddings great and can't shoot landscapes. So it's, it's quite an interesting kind of tension mm. there, which we've mm. never really been able to work out. I guess as far as Venn diagrams go, your, your average wedding photographer probably get a little bit impatient when it comes to a, uh, landscapes yeah and i i haven't i just haven't got the desire to get up at 4 30 in the morning to get that lovely misty hillside <laughs> shot that you know i'm I'm either having a lion or thinking oh, it's a lovely day to go out on my bike get mm. a ride in mm. so <laughs> yeah and in case anyone's wondering are you canon or nikon or sony what are you shooting with these days so i'm sony now i was nikon for a long time i had a little brief flirtation with canon when they brought out the original 5d and that kind of kicked off the whole full frame thing for me Hmm. um then i was nikon for quite a few years and then 2018 i decided to jump across to mirrorless um, okay and would have happily stayed with nikon but at the time they didn't have anything Uh, and and ironically enough i think they launched the the z6 and 7 about three months after i'd switched Um, right but but they didn't have dual card slots, which for me was a complete deal breaker anyway. So I, mm. I was kind of quite happy. I bought a, a Sony A9 and one lens, took mm-hmm. it to a wedding to try it and shot a bit of the prep with it, but shot the crucial sort of ceremony stuff with the Nikon because mm. it was something I knew. And then yeah. shot some of the reception yeah, and the speeches with the Sony when the pressure was off um, and came home and ordered the second one um, mm. because mm. the the silent shutter and, and what have you was just a bit of, you know, to use a industry cliche, a bit of a, a game changer. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. Now, um, like if I hear a noisy digital SLR, it's I kind of like, Oh my God, that's really loud. Isn't it? Ka-chunk, um, ka-chunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And now you can be, you know, it's, it has, it has definitely changed the way things like Vickers react to you. If, if you can show them that your camera is completely silent, they're usually quite happy for you to stand at the front. Whereas before, mm. That wasn't always the case. So actually it has Interesting. made yeah. quite a significant, and for things like speeches where you're just quite conscious, I think of, of making a lot of noise. And if mm. you've got a camera churning away at sort of seven frames a second, it's like, Oh my God. <laughs> it's really interesting. You say that guy, because uh, you, you think about advances in technology and how it can, you know, incrementally change the photographs that we take. But when, when you get technology changing how people behave like a vicar in a church, yeah, who then allows you to be somewhere that in the past you wouldn't have been allowed to be in, then that's yeah. just that's a radical difference in the pictures that you're getting, which in the past wouldn't have been possible. Yeah, and and I, you know, I, I, it's not something I'd even considered. The the, the reason to go mirrorless was my, my my Nikon's were getting quite tired and they needed replacing. I, you know, I'd had a I'd had them for sort of five years mm. and they were pretty battered. And and I thought, well, this is the point where I probably commit to mirrorless because that's definitely the way the industry is going you know there aren't really any significant investments in unless you're at the top kind of d6 or whatever nikon are making now five six thousand pound a body everything's going mirrorless um and and sony were just at the time i think the best option i think you could buy canon or nikon or fuji or sony now and you'd be really happy with any of them Mm. Uh, uh, they're all good enough right um Mm. 
but it wasn't until I went to one wedding and it was in Winchester really nice vicar but he said oh I'm so sorry he said I've had some really noisy photographers um a camera's just really disruptive and I said look can I just ask you to take a photo with this one Hmm. and see how quiet it is because it's like (laughs) it's like an iphone Hmm. and he he took it and said whoa um okay come and come and stand up with the choir so it was (laughs) so so now you can you can show them how quiet it is um Hmm. it's just like somebody standing there taking a silent picture with a phone you're not going to hear it um Hmm. and it and and again for speeches you can sit right on someone's shoulder and they don't even know you're there you're not clicking away whereas again before you take the first shot they'd react to it you know, the first and 10 then, weddings I, I, I ever shot were on medium format film. This is wow. going back years now. And every single picture that you took had to be on a tripod. <laughs> and, and you're looking down. So there's, you're looking down into yeah, it and right. seeing it Which, all so upside like down. It's like a waist level viewfinder. And that's always blown my mind. That's what my granddad used to shoot on. And I yeah. tried his cameras. Um, and I just was like, I don't know. I can't even do this. I, I don't know what I'm looking at here. <laughs> what, I have no, what I have now seen is other photographers who are using mirrorless and because you are using because basically the camera's a monitor Hmm. um there's a good friend of mine Ange in winchester she now shoots on a9s but she doesn't hold the camera to her face anymore she shoots and composes completely at waist level wow and just has the flip up screen pointing up towards her okay yeah yeah and she focuses on the screen because it's a touch screen and you just you just move your finger to where you want the focal point to be and her stuff is beautiful mm. but i tried it and i cannot do it i have to have the camera in front of me i have to be looking through a viewfinder uh, do um, you wear glasses when you're at a wedding i do yeah and does that cause a problem when you're looking through the viewfinder no it just means i spend half my life cleaning them um <laughs> but and I'm a left eye viewer as well. So I, I Ooh, kind of weird. The, yeah. So I have the kind of smudgy nose on the screen thing. Yeah. The more annoying thing with glasses is, is if it's raining, obviously your, your glasses are then wet. And if it's, if it's a cold winter wedding and then you go into a warm church, of course, mm. the first thing you do is steam up. Mm. Mm. Um, so I learned in my early days to, if I'm in that situation, I leave one camera in the church where right. i'm going to be so to that when i walk into the church my lens doesn't immediately mist up and then because i again i learned that the hard way mm. um mm. and and you know so so it's i can take my glasses off and i can shoot without them because i i'm i can, I can adjust the dioptra enough if i need to but mm. normally i just you know grab a, a cloth very quickly and I, i'll have time to clean them but yeah can't wear contact lenses tried them wished i could um but can't get on with them at all mm. So yeah. interesting as well that you you say that you that you learned from making a mistake about uh, a lens fogging up. Mm. Surely everything that we learn in photography, well, not quite everything, but so much about what we learn in photography comes as a result of making a mistake at some point. Yeah, because how do you find out if something works? Mm. I mean, I'm I'm even now, you know, fifteen years in, um, I'm still when I when I take a couple off to to do the the couple session during the wedding. Mm-hmm. I will say to them, you won't see all of the photos from this session because some of them will be terrible. And that's not down to you. That's down to me. And 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 I'll say to them, you know, if I if I try and maybe suggest somewhere for them to go or stand and the light's rubbish when they get there, I'll just say, no, it's not working. We'll go somewhere else. But you have to try things to know if, because if you never try anything new, how do you know if it's, you know, you might think, oh yeah, it's terrible. But also you might look at it and go, wow. I did not expect that to work. And actually I really love the way that looks. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think you need to give yourself permission to fail 
the critical thing I think with weddings is don't do it when you really can't fail. When the bride <laughs> like and groom are walking down the aisle. Or the bride's <laughs> walk- yeah, when the bride's walking in with her dad. Yeah. Or the first kiss and it's literally, you get you know one half of a second to get that moment. Or mm. you know just as the mum bursts into tears, as the speeches start something, you've got to be, those are the points where, you know, I know, I know the saying goes is if you didn't get the photo, then it never happened. Mm-hmm. But I think you can be honest with a couple and say, I'm just going to try this. It might not work, hmm. and and then say to them, actually, this is great, or no, it's just not working. Let's hmm. let's go over there, look at that doorway, let's use that instead. Because um, hmm. then I think they trust you because you're being quite honest about the fact that you don't like the way something's looking, and they're like, oh, okay, then he's, you know, we're not going to see that photo, rather than thinking, oh, where were those ones that we never ended up seeing. And of course, it means um, that when you look at the screen and you say, oh, I love this, then they know that you love it because earlier on you yeah, said because i don't yeah, like exactly this. and and that, and that's another for me that's another advantage of mirrorless is you would because you're shooting on a real-time viewfinder i did struggle a little bit initially with losing the optical viewfinder mm-hmm. but now don't even notice it two or three weddings don't even notice it i found because i don't consider myself the most technical photographer my editing time has cut with mirrorless because I'm a little bit more consistent with my exposures, which sometimes (laughs) were relying a little bit on Lightroom to kind of bail me out and thank you, Nikon, for lots of dynamic range. But just because I'm quite reactive on the fly in terms of, you know, I'm looking for sort of context and emotion and timing rather than Hmm. absolutely nailing it perfectly technically because the cameras are good enough these days that you can be a little bit sloppy sometimes and still recover it. I hate to say it, but sometimes I do see some photographers work where they've got to a stage that they're so hung up on getting the right, the right kind of lighting at the time of shooting that they miss the, the moment that's happening. And it may well be that the moment happened five minutes ago, but they're sort of majoring on this, on this opportunity where this light's looking good, but actually the moment's gone now and it's, it's just lost. Exactly. And then you've still got beautiful light, but you haven't got the moment that happened within it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, I want my cameras to get out of my way. I'm not really interested in, you know, all the bells and whistles. I, I shoot aperture priority. Um, I shoot prime lenses exclusively. The longest lens I use is an 85 mil. Um, and I pretty much use two lenses all day long. I use a 35 and a 50 nice. all day long okay. because I just know now exactly how it's going to look when I bring the camera up. Mm. I can visualize the shot and I shoot almost exclusively at F2 unless I'm doing the group photos because I just love the way that looks. So I want them to get out the way. So I want my muscle memory to to just be able to fall on the right buttons and, and know where I'm changing my exposure compensation or my metering mode or whatever. Mm. Um, I use auto ISO because why the hell wouldn't you? I don't understand why you'd, you know, if you're walking out of a dark church and you're at 6,400 into bright sunlight. Again, we've all, all done sudden, that in those days. Yeah, right. And all of a sudden <laughs> you've got to get it down to a hundred and you're, you're trying to work out why the hell your camera is just blowing everything out. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm I'm sort of if if I can have the camera go, hey, you're in, you know, you're an ISO 100 land now. Let's let's ramp it down for you. Mm. Fantastic. I haven't got to worry about it. I'm focused on the people that are coming out of the church, not mm. what necessarily is happening with the sunlight behind me. Mm. Mm. Um, I know photographers who shoot exclusively manually. Um, you know, aperture, shutter speed, everything manually, um, mm-hmm. and they're fantastic and they get beautiful work. For me, it just gives me more of an obstacle than i'd want 
So, you know, when, when, when I've seen people who also shoot aperture variety and it, and it, you, I don't think you can really tell the difference. I think if you can control yeah. the light, you can control the light. Yeah. And if you're aperture priority and you like shooting at F2, then you can leave that at F2 all day. Exactly. And then adjust everything else, keeping exactly that, that keeping that aperture. Yeah. Exactly so you, you get and the look that you like. Consistent mm. consistency of look. And I think consistency is really underrated in wedding photography. Mm. Um, mm. Then you get a consistent look across the day, the month, the season, the year, and then the body of your work, which is, I think, what that's really what I'm kind of after is, mm. is, a, is a level of consistency, regardless of weather, time of year, venue, all of the variables that you can throw into a wedding. Mm. How does it feel then when somebody asks to book you for their wedding and it actually turns out you're already booked by somebody else oh, for theirs? Yeah, it's, it's really frustrating. Um, I think it's more frustrating when it's someone you've met from a previous wedding, mm. previous bridesmaid or a previous groomsman or the sister of a bridesmaid, uh, the sister of a bride, or, or you know, it, mm. that can be incredibly frustrating. I'll never, so, so I, I would never kick a gig out to get the newer gig. No. You, you know, and I've had it where I'll have taken a book in six months ago for Devon. And then I'll get an inquiry and the wedding's in Whitchurch, six miles away right? for the yeah. same day. And I'll be like, yeah. oh, God, you know, I've got a four-hour drive <laughs> each way now. Mm. <clears throat> and and I could have had a 15-minute one and be home by yeah. nine. Yeah. Um, but that's the way it falls. I'd never kick a, 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 newer, a, a newer gig out, even if it is a bridesmaid from a fantastic wedding last year. And, right. and I've had that in the last couple of weeks. I had a bridesmaid from a wedding summer of 2018. Mm-hmm lovely couple fantastic people and i'm booked and i'm gutted but i'm booked um mm. i'll never I, I don't just ever go back to them and say i'm booked thanks anyway i'll always find some available photographers for them in some referral groups i'm in mm-hmm. who are people who shoot in a quite similar way to me and who i do rate and who i know personally mm. so i know that they're going to do a good job um and then i'll send them th- you know, two, three, four names, of, and then they know they're free, so they haven't got to go through the "Are you free?" routine. Okay, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but also, <coughs> I just think that's a way of almost keeping you in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I had I, I, I had one not last summer, the summer before, over in Surrey. Uh, one of the a couple who were just guests came over to me after the speeches and said, Oh, you know, can we have a chat? Um, we're getting married next year. It was supposed to be September, just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, are you free? And I looked at my phone and I was, I'm so sorry I'm booked. And they were like, Oh no, we've been watching you all day and we really oh, love no. what you do. And, oh. I, and they hadn't seen the photos at that point. So it's a real mm. kind of, it's a lovely, lovely thing to hear. Um, great testament to your character yeah I guess. exactly because yeah. i'm thinking well, you know wait till you've seen the photos they could be terrible um <laughs> but 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 i you know i said look if you can give me your email address i can get some names of people for you and and i'll email you over the weekend um which i did and they were really thankful and and it and and then last sort of beginning of august i get a call from the groom we're not getting married in september are we because we can't have the day we want the one of the photographers you'd recommended can't do the date we now want which is this coming september they've moved it on a year okay are you free and and now i am Mm. so it came back and Mm. and you know outside of the pandemic yes okay it wouldn't have but 
there can be things that affect weddings outside of pandemics. People can get ill, people mm. can not be available, you know, mm. relatives can be ill and people will sometimes delay things to make sure that people are there. Jobs might change, circumstances might change. So so I think if you accept the fact that you're probably not going to do the wedding, but you're as helpful as you possibly can be, then it can it, it can serve you better in the longer term. Um, and I still get the odd recommendation from someone whose wedding I didn't shoot, which is really nice. Um, I'm assuming they also recommend the photographer they did book. You'd like to think so, get, wouldn't you? <laughs> you'd like to think so. Um, but again, I, I, I rarely find out if they booked one that I recommended. Mm. They, they don't, mm. you know, they'll usually say, thanks ever so much. We'll, we'll, we'll look at them. But they don't come back to you and say, oh, yeah, we've booked, no. you know, Simon or John or whoever. They, they'll just carry on and, and you think well yeah your your life now just carried on and i i don't know anything else mm. um so yeah that's uh i think you can handle those in in a good way um rather mm. than just be like oh god i'm not going to get the wedding but yeah just, it can be really frustrating i just want to go back to one thing you said there which is that a couple wanted to book you having not seen the photos but just having seen you in operation at somebody else's wedding is that right Correct. Yeah. Sometimes as photographers, we can get hung up on the gear that we've got and the pictures that we're taking. But actually, what are the what are the decisions going through the bride and groom's heads when they're choosing a wedding photographer? Clearly for them, for this couple, and I think they're quite normal, having someone at their wedding who is a nice person who's going to blend in well with all of their guests is clearly a high factor. Yeah, I think you know, it's the old saying, people buy people, don't they? Mm, um, yeah. I think you can be the most technically gifted photographer in, in particularly in social photography where you are dealing with people. I think you can be a landscape photographer, for example, and be a complete recluse. Yeah. You don't ever really have to speak to other humans. Um, Just the odd cow from time to time. And yeah, that's yeah, exactly. But I don't, that's not going to, I don't think that's going to significantly impact your business. I think with social photography, weddings, commercial events, anything like that, I think, 90% and and I say this to couples when I when when if we, if we have a, a pre-wedding call or something I will say I think there are actually three decisions do they like the photography and is the budget right and I think mm -hmm. if those two are there then you can have a conversation and sometimes they'll just book you via email you won't even speak to them mm. um particularly if it's someone you've you've met or, or seen at a previous wedding but the yeah. third question and I'm, I'm and i'm always really honest about this is if you get off the call and you think i'm a dick don't book me mm. because i'm going to be with you for probably 10 to 12 hours the only supplier who's going to be with you for the whole day is your photographer mm. so it's really really important for both parties that we get on and that we think we're going to have a laugh because mm. it is supposed to be a fun day the photography isn't supposed to be an ordeal it's not about a photographer imposing their photographic will on the day. It's mm -hmm. very much not a photo shoot. Um, so if you like the photography and the, the, the price is, is within the right area, mm -hmm. book someone that you actually want to have there with you and who you think is going to have a laugh mm -hmm. and be fun to work with. Because that's if you can get that last bit, then I think the photography is always going to be better if, than if it's not there it's naturally going to happen isn't it exactly and, 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 and you're right that's an underrated it, aspect it is a really privileged position that photographers are in at weddings because i mean a who else is with the bride and groom for that long but also yeah. b you, you you go from two people's best days of their lives one weekend to the following weekend you're with another couple on the best day of their lives and it's yeah 
I can remember thinking when I used to do wedding photography that it's almost like jumping from one mountain peak to another mountain peak to another. Yeah. And it's a real privilege. It is. I, th I think people talk about it in portrait photography, the relationship between the subject and the photographer. I don't think they talk about it enough in wedding photography because I think it's really important. Mm. I think you can get lost in all of the, I'm a photojournalist, I use these presets, I shoot on this system, mm. um, you know, but actually people at a wedding want their kind of people there with them. Mm. Um, and, and I get 99.9% .9 of my couples are just really bloody nice people. Mm. they're just i get lots of lawyers and architects and designers and people like that they're usually professionals been to university quite often they've met at university they're usually aged between about 28 and 34 lots of doctors as well lots of vets and they're they're my people they're just people that i would hang out with and I, and I think it's probably the way that they see you is mm. is that's someone I'd probably have at the wedding they're my kind of people mm. Mm. you know the, the couple I mentioned where they they wanted to book me on the day when I spoke to the groom you know months later and 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 it turns out I could do the wedding we were talking then and he said he said I I just like the way that you worked and the way that you interacted with people and it wasn't in your face and it was very subtle and discreet but I could see you were working really hard mm. And then when we had a chat with you, we just got on um, and, and we did, you know, and I was gutted at the time that I couldn't shoot their wedding. Cause I remember thinking this would be, this wedding's brilliant. And it's this subset of people because mm. it's the, it's the, the groom's brother, you know, so it's, that's, that's the best you can hope for. And, and the other, I think the other great compliment you can get a wedding is, is a guest asking you how, you know, the couple, right, they okay. think, they yeah. think you're a friend of the couple. I yeah. think that's a brilliant thing because they mm. don't see you just as a, Supplier. Supplier. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a really nice compliment. Guy, what advice would you give someone who's who's starting out today in a wedding photography business or any other photography kind of business? And if they want to grow that business as quick as possible? Blimey. Um, I, the, one of the best pieces of advice I ever had was to have a kind of a laser beam focus on the niche that you want to do which I suppose goes back to the specialism generalist thing. And there's nothing at all with, wrong with being a generalist photographer. I know some fantastic wedding photographers who are also brilliant food photographers and family photographers and what have you. But I think pick a camera system and stick with it because mm -hmm. I think that's probably the least important thing. Avoid the thing that every new photographer seems to do, and I did, which is buy every single lens in the world. And then realize that you're actually only going to use about two or three anyway. <laughs> um, find your own voice and 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 continue with it. With the caveat that if you find that voice and you're not getting any bookings, then you probably need to change something. <laughs> but but if you are, don't worry about what other photographers think. Um don't listen to photographers telling you that unless you're shooting fully manual, you're not a proper pro that mm. your processing's not right because it's not their processing. It's not, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're working for money and couples and clients are booking you and they like what you're doing and what you've done is what they wanted. That's the only thing that matters. So I think to find that voice is really important and then have the nerve to stick with it. And there's a, there's a, an old thing. I'm just going to try and find it, which I saw a couple of years ago in, the guardian and i saved it and it's called the helsinki bus station theory 
Oh, I've um, heard this. Yeah, and it's, it's oh, what is it? so true. So it was an Oliver Berkman column, who's a brilliant writer, by the way. First outlined by, oh, ironically enough, by a Finnish photographer, Arno Minkinen. The theory claims, in short, that the secret to a creatively fulfilling career lies in understanding the operations of Helsinki's main bus station. It has circulated among photographers for years, and I didn't see it. I saw it just reading Oliver's uh, column in The Guardian. This is 2013, I saved this. But it deserves, pardon the pun, greater exposure. So I invite you to imagine the scene. It's a bus station like any big bus station, except presumably cleaner and with environmentally friendly buses driven by strikingly attractive blondes. There are two main two dozen platforms from each of which several bus lines depart. Thereafter, for a kilometre or more, all of the lines leaving from any one platform take the same route out of the city, making identical stop. Each bus stop represents one year in the life of a photographer. You pick pick a career direction, he says. Maybe you focus on making a platinum set of nudes and set off. Three years later, you've got a nascent body of work. You take those three years of work on the nude to a gallery and the curator asks you if you're familiar with, say, the new to Irving Penn. Penn's bus, it turns out, was on the same route. Annoyed to have been following someone else's path, you hop off the bus, grab a cab and hate straight back to the bus station looking for another platform. And this goes on all your creative life, always mm. showing new work, always being compared to others. What's the answer? It's simple. Stay on the bus. And, and that really, really struck me is, you know, the wedding industry is very creative now. There is some unbelievable work being done in it and it's quite workshop heavy. And, and the danger of that for me is that you can go on multiple workshops and just try and emulate the photographer or photographers who are giving the workshop, but it's never your own voice. And I think that each workshop is, is a different bus. So by all means, go on them to be inspired or maybe to learn new techniques, maybe around flash or workflow or processing or stuff like that. But I think the most important thing is, is as Minkinen says is to stay on that bus and and that's a really really important one for me is is Mm -hmm. that's that laser beam focus of saying this is what I want to do this is how I see the world and weddings or whatever area of photography or creative arts you're in but just stay on the bus and keep Mm -hmm. going and keep going and keep going because the longer you do it the better you'll get and at times I imagine that 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 can be quite hard for a lot of business owners because the very nature of being a business owner means that you've you've been attracted to doing something different to the corporate way of life in the first place yeah which means you're always going to have a bit of you know shiny object syndrome which is, yeah, very much, which is kind of what we're talking and, about and, here. and i think you know the difficulty you know don't get me wrong you you can get to the end of a really busy wedding season and feel pretty burnt out because you've just been on a, a, a kind of a creative treadmill you know a couple don't care if it's your third wedding of a weekend that's not their problem. And it isn't their problem. They're right. It never should be. You might be knackered. You might have driven 100 miles for the, you know, to get there for the third day in a row. Um, you might have stayed in a hotel and, and had a, a lousy night's sleep and, and not, not be particularly well fed or just a bit stressed because of something at home or your car's playing up or whatever. But you have to put that out of your mind. And, and that's all being well, the only wedding day they're going to have. For me, it might be one of 40 in a year. But for that couple, it has to also be my one of 40. Mm. So mm. I can't have any preconceptions about what do I think of the venue because I've done that in the past and had my fingers burnt where I've been to a wedding at an amazing venue and thought, wow, this is going to be incredible. And it's not, the wedding's not really kicked off. 
and then I've been to weddings in pubs and I've come home buzzing. And yeah. actually you think yeah. it's always down to the people that are there. It's never down to the venue. Yeah, you can have mm. fantastic light and it does make some things easier if, you know, the venue haven't turned the couple towards a brick wall and they've actually got some light falling on their faces and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But you can work around those. But if you haven't got the right ingredients in terms of the people at the wedding, mm. you're always going to struggle to get great stuff. And I think you can, even if you just set yourself, give yourself 15 minutes of each wedding to just try something completely new. Hmm. something you know in a, in a period that doesn't really matter maybe you've got a long reception you could just try some different angles and things for 15 minutes yeah maybe it'll work maybe it won't and if it doesn't the couple don't need to see them and if it's great then it's something you can bring in as, as you go through hmm. and obviously you can still shoot for yourself outside of weddings anyway hmm. Hmm. Um, but i think you have to approach every wedding thinking it's the only one you're going to shoot that year to mm. do the best job you can and 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 i think it was marcus wearing it might have been or it might have been another chef and he was asked the question what's the difference between an amateur and a professional and he said a professional can do it when he doesn't feel like it oh nice and i actually thought that's yeah. you know and he said he said don't get me wrong i love my job but there are days when i do not want to be in the kitchen and there are days when i've driven to a wedding and just thought i'm not feeling it today and, mm. and almost got to the point where I walk up to the door of the house or the hotel and I kind of physically compose myself and put my game face on. Mm. And almost every single time that happens, 10 minutes later, I'm loving it. Because you're into it and you've decided to be into it. Yeah, mm. and it, but, it's, but it's all happening and there's stuff going on and I've got things to shoot and, and actually I'm, I'm taken outside of myself and I'm, I'm, this, I'm just there to do that thing. Mm. And then there are other days when I'm thinking, this is going to be a fan. You know, I know this couple. It's a previous bridesmaid. They're mm. brilliant fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I spoke to him at the wedding. He's a great guy. Um, so, and, and those ones, you know, you, but sometimes you'll, you'll get up and it's raining all day long. You know that the venue hasn't got many outdoor options, if any. And mm. you are praying for 15 minutes of dry weather so you can at least get something. Mm. And mm. you've maybe got one big barn with one room where half of it's the reception and half of it's set for the food. And mm -hmm. you've got 150 guests in there. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, it's like, oh my God, this is, this is, this is really tough because mm -hmm. they're looking to you to, to save it. And you're thinking, I, what, what am I supposed to do with this weather? Yeah. And sometimes you can get a bride and groom where maybe they've seen a couple of rainy wedding day photos <laughs> yes. and, and yes. those pictures look beautiful because maybe they're in a central London location, but exactly you, you're down yeah. at the local rugby club and it's, <laughs> <laughs> You've got an Asda van turning up in the background as as the bride's getting out of the car at the church, and you're yeah. like, "Oh, that's a nice green lorry." So this is a black and white session, then, and you're <laughs> desperately trying to push yourself ten feet to the right to get a shot where the Asda van's not in it, but you can't because the vicar stood there, and you're just like, everything's yeah. going wrong. Yeah, but you can't show any of that externally. You just no. be. It's like you know, it's like the old swan metaphor, isn't it? Everything's mm. nice and serene on top, but inside you are turning yourself inside out, panicking. Mm. Um, Guy, something non-photography related for a second. Give me three things that you're into right now and one oh. thing that you want to throw into the world of never seeing ever again. Oh, that, that one's easy. Is, is everybody wearing face masks? Okay, yeah, yeah. That's a really easy one yeah. because, you know, this we haven't even touched on, on what COVID did last year in terms of the industry and, you know, my own personal weddings. Um, yeah, face masks, anything associated with that 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 i could do without seeing again three th what am i into the thing that i'm always into which is my cycling you've had the misfortune of <laughs> seeing me at lycra um, 
But yeah, I mean, that's my, that's kind of a, an ongoing 30 year long love affair, mm-hmm. which I, I did manage to have a, a great year on the bike last year because I didn't shoot many weddings over no. the summer. Do you mainly um, cycle on your own, but, by the way, or in a group? Yeah, I do. I like the headspace it gives me. And then I can just sort of smash myself for three hours without, without worrying about anybody else. Three hours. How um, far do you go in three hours? About 60 miles. <gasps> You're kidding. Keeps me looking young. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so i yeah that that's my kind of outlet i love mm. everything about it i love the sense of cycling i love the physical suffering mm. i love the professional race scene i love i follow the professional race scene religiously i love the aesthetics of the sport um i just i just absolutely adore it the same as other people love football and mm. rugby and formula one and stuff but i'm completely obsessed with it and i've got far too much money invested in it what what else am i into um music is just again an ongoing one for me because i'm I'm a complete music nerd you know it's a long it was a long time ago you introduced me to elbow i'd never heard of elbow at the time yeah um, that's right and uh yeah. yeah now elbow is elbow definitely in my top 10 bands of all time i mean he's just such a guy god what a lyricist that man yeah. is he's yeah. he's and he's got for a big man he's got such a gentle way mm. um yeah he's he's fantastic yeah no uh, so so you know again just discovering new music um you know i've still got a lot of me kind of my back in my old hip-hop days from when i was a teenager so i still listen to a bit of that um mm-hmm. growing old disgracefully um <laughs> and i suppose my latest my, my sort of newest hobby if you can call it that is is our dog we've now got a miniature schnauzer called meg who after years and years of saying i didn't want a dog and being mm-hmm. a cat person we have also got a cat woody who's a big honking great Maine coon who's about the same size as meg um <laughs> i'm now completely besotted with her she'll be four in april the, the sort of unconditional love love that a dog gives you as you open the door having just been out to the bins yeah um you know, you've been out for like 15 seconds and you open the door <laughs> and she's like where have you been um the way they bound over and, and also gives you another excuse to get out and i'm doing more walking now because i've you know i i have to but that's nice you see a different a different world walking through woods and things to because all my cycling is road cycling so yeah so i suppose that would be doesn't sound right to, to describe her as a hobby because she's not she's a i think it's fair hundred. enough you, you get hobbies that come with having a dog such as the walk yeah around. you do and and she's a just a fundamental kind of you know they fill a house dogs mm-hmm. i still adore cats don't get me wrong um mm-hmm. but they're very kind of much more aloof and like yeah, just put the food over there and sod off whereas dogs are like come on sit with me and eat it and can i have some of yours afterwards uh, so but no she's she's a fantastic little animal and i yeah i love her to bits awesome um, is good news yeah guy we need to uh we need to bring this to a close but of where, course. Can people, where can people go uh online if they want to find out more about more about so you? my website is www.guycolliophotography.com um C-O-L-L-I-E-R exactly I'm on Instagram as Guy Collier Photo although I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with social media mm-hmm. and don't think we all do that anywhere near as I could I do have a Facebook page but it's only updated automatically because I don't really like Facebook um, and I don't put any of my stuff on Twitter now because I'm too busy screaming into the void and yelling at people like Donald Trump <laughs> on that so I try to stay off that as much as possible now so yeah my, my the main two ways would be website and instagram well look guy thank you for your time it's uh, it's been really it's good been talking pleasure. to you uh, i really thank appreciate you. you giving up your time and appreciate you being here on the show today it's been a pleasure so thank you very much 
And there we go. A big shout out to Guy and a big thank you to Guy. I know he'll be listening to this. And a reminder that you can see his work at guycolliophotography.com or on Instagram, guycolliophoto. Now, our next episode, I'm really excited to share this with you. And we're just in the final stages right now of making it ready to upload. So to make sure that you don't miss that, head on over and subscribe, and then you'll be notified the very second that it's released. And also, if you're listening to this and you liked the show, then please consider leaving a review. The difference it makes to a show like this is actually much greater than you might think. And that means I can continue making these episodes and bringing them to you. And if you don't know how to leave a review, then I'm here to make that as easy as possible for you. Just visit 9to5photo.com, that's number nine and a number five, 9to5photo.com, pop your name into the contact box and I will personally show you how to do it because, like I say, it does make such a difference. That's it for this week. We'll see you in the next show. Thanks very much for listening and bye for now.